Welcome to Marty's Music Kitchen, the fun music and food podcast where anything can happen. We're cooking today with chef and travel consultant Antimo Cimino, a native from Manduria, a small town in the Italian region of Puglia. Antimo has an infectious passion and enthusiasm for music, travel, food, and culture. He is also the author of Food You'll Make Love To, Ah, Those Italians, a cookbook with a southern Italian flair. For me, nutrition is a nutrition of the soul. So when you're cooking, how you do it and what goes into the cooking is because you know you're putting that in your body and you're honoring your body. So that's why I try and cook every day because I prefer to choose what I'm feeding myself, mm-hmm. be more mindful about the process. Realizing he had a gift for creating sensational experiences, Antimo created Vumago, an experiential travel company that specializes in taking you behind the scenes and away from the touristy crowds so you can travel like a local. Come savor the flavors of summer with his recipes for beet salad with mango chutney in an orange whiskey sauce and watermelon cubes with bursts of berry, mint, and cinnamon. What is it about Italian music and food that evokes the passion of love? What are some of his favorite travel adventures? And what fabulous foods would he cook for you on your first date? <laughs> Come with me into this Italian kitchen and let's find out. Hi, Antimo. Hello. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited to, yes, to meet with you. And we're in this beautiful kitchen. And uh, I'm so impressed. You've got this apron on with like Vumago, your travel Italian fancy company you got going yeah, on. And, yeah. um, you know, I saw you um, at the OHSU Farmers Market yeah. uh, in Portland. And you were doing some kind of a cooking sample. And I came by the table to meet you. But there was this long <laughs> line <laughs> of people. And I wasn't able to talk with you then. So yeah, it was I'm a popular so, one. Yeah, I'm so glad we can meet now. Yeah, me too. So what are we going to cook today? We're actually making my beet salad. It's a combination of yellow and red beets. Mm-hmm. And it has a chutney of mango sauce with whiskey and uh, orange juice and lemon juice. Oh, it sounds so uh, delightful. It's really fabulous. (laughs) It's actually a recipe that was inspired by a trip that I took to Mexico. And I went to this restaurant um, uh, where they were cooking uh, on burning fire charcoals. Uh Uh And there was no electricity. It was all candlelight. Uh And this salad was incredible. And when I came home, I thought, you know, to take... um, what I remember, you know, of that uh, experience. And, and kind of uh, make it your and own. make it my own, yeah, so. Very yeah. cool, I love that. Well, the beets are stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I have to, when I shop for these, I mean, do they, I don't know anything you about know, shopping uh, for beets. You know, when you shop for beets, uh, there is only one way to do it. Uh, many ways of doing it wrong, but only one way to do it right. And that is buy beets that are already, that still have the greens attached to them. Okay, good, if you buy good them, tip. Absolutely, because if you buy them bulk, uh, they're pretty old. Uh-huh. They've been sitting for a while. Okay. And they tend to be a little bit uh, too earthy in flavor. Really? So the longer they sit, yeah. the more they develop that kind of depth? Yeah, the, the, their depth of flavor is different than the one that's nice and fresh because they're being, 
at the farmers market, for instance, they've been pulled the evening before or just the day before. So farmers so you know market's the way to go, then. Absolutely, the way to go. So how do you dare tell the difference? I mean, these what are these called? Well, um, the yellow one here, I treated it in a certain way, so it, the color is unique because uh, I am all lots about presentation in my food, right? Uh, in well, Italian, yeah. we say anche l'occhio vuole la sua parte. The eye as well wants its part. So ah. digestion pretty much starts with your eyes, right? So, right. So what I do there, I slice, I, I can boil my beets or I can charcoal them or even uh, bake them. Uh -huh. And then I peel them and I slice them. Okay. When I slice them, I make sure that they are in touch, the yellow with the red, uh -huh. in touch with each other about an hour to two hours. And what happens is uh, the ble the red bleeds into the yellow and creates this marbleized effect. Oh my gosh! That it's really nice. Actually. That's how you did that. Yeah. I'm yeah. so impressed that you did that. Very simple. Well, that and I mean the presentation is beautiful. I don't even want to cook anything, but you know I do want to cook something because oh, you're going to help delicious. me. So, totally help me. All right. Well, put me to work. So yes, uh, let's do one thing. First, okay. we have to blanch a little bit of the uh, Brussels sprouts. I'm going to show you one. Okay. These, great. These knives are really sharp, so be all careful. Right. Cut the end off yes. quite a bit so that you actually have an easier time it's taking the leaves out. It's such a cute little baby cabbage. Yes, it is. So you uh, take some of the leaves off. Okay, so carefully the outer not ones. To, yeah, exactly, okay. not to break them. Okay. Once you've taken the bigger ones, uh -huh. uh, you're done, and then you can move on to the to the next one, okay? Okay. And uh, then you, we are going to collect a few of those to the side, and then oh. I have already the water going. We're going to quickly blanch them and then put them in a nice bath. Oh, ooh, and the an color will be fancy. nice, green, and vibrant, and we're right. going to use that in the salad for decoration. So when you put on an ice bath, does that like crisp it up at all? It or? crisp it up, it blocks the, um, uh, the cooking process, uh -huh. and it keeps the color very vibrant. Ooh, you can do that with tip. any any veggies. Tips from yeah. Andima. Yeah, that's a I wonderful. Uh, so and then, uh, if you don't mind, uh, after you do that, mm -hmm. I'm going to have you uh, do some of the leaves of mint, just to take them apart and mm -hmm. set them to the side okay. while I actually work on the beets. Okay. Am I working here? Uh, you can work over there I'm with work this over here. and I'll work over here. Okay. And, and then do you want me to continue? Just about... To, uh, am I chopping this or I'm just peeling it? Chopping the end and then peeling to obtain this. Uh, and leaves. I keep peeling this. No, no, this is too small. Is once that you done? get, uh, yeah, once you get about oh. four leaves out of each one, you got the bigger ones out and the other okay. ones. Okay, all right, good to know. I'm, I'm being put to work. Yeah. So tell me, what led you to cooking? Well, uh, uh, when I was a kid, I did not have a choice. My parents uh, have a farm uh, with uh, veggies, uh, flowers. We have olives and uh, grapes. Uh -huh. And when I was a kid, at the age of six, uh, I had no choice than to help in the countryside. Uh, right. Watering. Farm family. Farm family, yes. Right. Pulling weeds, you know, harvesting um, all kinds of fruits and flowers. And, uh, you know, um, my dad was a little bit rigid and demanding. And I was kind of um, done with that. And when uh, it came time to choose whether I wanted to continue studying, or not, in my dad's idea, it was, uh, oh, he's gonna take over the farm. And I was like, not oh, gonna happen. Yeah. So not that I didn't want to, but I just saw how much hard work that was for him and how much it led to complications in his health. Yeah. Uh, not a, you know, not a 
a good living, always struggling, yeah. and I thought, I'm not going to do this. You know, my father uh, grew up in a farm family. He grew up in an 80-acre farm, but wow. it, was a, it wasn't just a farm. I mean, it was like a working, they had, you know, they would take the horses out and yeah. uh, fell the logs and then drag them back with the horses, and they had pigs and cows and the yeah. whole deal. But my father, I grew up in the city because my father did not want to run the farm. He, he mm, said, no. No, and they eventually moved to the city, so. Yeah. So anyway, I decided to go to culinary school instead, and that in was- In Italy? Uh, in Italy, I wow. went to Brindisi, and that meant uh, waking up every morning at 5.30 for five years, oh. and going to school and getting home at uh, four or five in the afternoon, um, and repeat that, you know, uh, six days a week, because we went to school on a Saturday as well. How, many, how many years did you do that? I did a specialization as a chef de hong um, for three years, and then a sommelier, uh, that was my choice, uh -huh. instead of being a, a sous chef or primary chef in a kitchen. Uh -huh. uh, and then I decided to attach uh, two years, continue for two years more, so that I could get more of a commercial skill, I guess. It was a, um, so that I could, uh, I ended up getting a diploma in uh, hotel and restaurant management. Oh. So that if I wanted to go to university, that was also something I could oh, do. And it was that that was apparently a requirement for you to do to be yeah, able to, to go, go to on to something like yeah, that. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, but then I always kind of dreamt of going to the to university in the U.S. Uh -huh. Just didn't have the means, and I started working. And after I also was in the army, got out that out of the way. I started working in uh, the uh, in hotels and restaurants in uh, Florence, in uh, Bologna, and that's when I met uh, a gentleman uh, that was visiting and working for Nike there, and became really good friends. And it was like, hey, sometimes come, uh, you know, come see us uh, in the U.S. Um, and there was your open and door. And that was the open door, <laughs> exactly. So a relationship that you know, uh, the greatest friendship that I have here in the U.S. that continues. And that led to my visit here in 96. Oh, wow. That was um, a while ago. And I remember, actually, uh, when I arrived, was uh, uh, I helped literally people uh, on the Willamette River uh, putting sand in bags because uh, there was the, the oh, year was the and the day of the flood. Okay, Absolutely. so for the listeners who yeah. don't know Portland history, um, we had our, I guess, a 100-year flood um, in 1996. So that, that was yeah. a, a strange uh, visit, but it was also interesting because I went uh, and visited several schools and universities, went back with my a certification, uh, well, not really a certification, a certificate, that uh -huh. allowed me then to go to the embassy and apply for a student visa, and I came back, became a student, and then uh, life continues, and I eventually became a citizen, and I've been here 24 years almost. <gasps> awesome yeah so you said you were also um, a dancer well yeah so part uh, you know you asked me how did you end up in a culinary school and um, Oops. and that was Sorry. I guess I messed uh, up the leaf I oh, apologize right. <laughs> uh, before that um, I was at uh, helping in the countryside and hearing my friends having fun next door to a pool party that I was invited to, but I couldn't go until I needed to finish my tours, right? Uh -huh, right. And then I went. I go there, and this uh, young, beautiful woman comes to me and asks me if I'd be interested in joining her dance school. And I thought, 
I would. I don't know that my dad would. <laughs> and so anyway, she came over and talked to my dad. And my dad, of course, said, no, it's not, it's not going to. I'm not paying for this. Well, you know, okay, wait, back the truck up. How old were you? I was uh, 13. Oh, you were 13. Yeah, 13. Mm. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> my dad said no. Yeah, if and I were your didn't... dad, I would have said no, too. So I'm just saying. <laughs> well, she, she didn't take no for an answer. So she came back uh, another day and she said, uh, Signor Cimino, I'm going to make you an offer you cannot refute, uh, refuse. And uh, Antimo can come to take classes for free and you can't say no. And so that was the beginning of eight years of going to dance school. And that's where music for me became um, important. It became a... Uh, a way of feeling my emotions, getting in touch with my inner self, an escape, you know, from my ordinary life in the farm kind of thing. And uh, so much so that uh, there is not one day that I, I don't listen to music. I mean, typically I would be cooking with music and opera and singing, you know, not that I'm a singer by all means, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, if nobody's hearing, yeah, <laughs> why, not? why not? Right. Well, you know, my, um, I have kind of a cute story to tell you. I don't know why this comes up, but my grandparents um, met actually dancing at a dance competition nice. back in like, um, I'm going to say 19... Probably 1916, 1917, somewhere in there. By the time my dad and his younger brother came along, they were children number seven and eight. Wow. And my grandmother um, didn't see uh, her husband much anymore, and um, she missed the dancing. So she taught my father how to dance around the kitchen table wow. <laughs> in uh, the farmhouse that he was in. And she, he said, yeah, there were some evenings when he and his little brother, and they would take turns waltzing and dancing and doing all the moves around the table. So I'm reminded yeah. of these stories as you're telling yeah. me about, about the dancing. And I nice. love to dance, but I'm not very good at the formal dancing. Mm. So I've always wanted to take lessons. I'm a little bit, I'm envious. You get to do that. <laughs> Did you like have partners and? Uh, no, I wasn't uh, like in uh, ballroom dancing or um, I did a little bit of classical ballet um, that required some partnering and then mostly was uh, modern jazz and contemporary. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, now back yeah, to Yeah, I'm cooking. just going to let you know what I'm doing. Cooking. I'm actually uh, sautéing a little bit of leeks. I actually change shallots with leeks. I can alternate. Okay, uh, so um, I didn't see you clean the leek. And I've heard that cleaning leeks is a challenge. What did you do? Uh, all I did, I actually took uh, two or three layers of uh -huh. the, the leek out because uh -huh. they're very hardy. Uh -huh. And I'm left with a nice core that it's nice and tender. And oh. I just slice it in uh, rounds and just then like uh, chopped it in onion. about four or five. Yeah. Oh. And I'm going to just uh, saute it right now. And uh, before I actually start, uh, and since we have plenty of these guys, I'm going to switch you to helping me with cutting a mango. Okay. Well, you have, um, since we've been talking, you've chopped up all of the beautiful beets. Yeah. And I've gone through almost all of the Brussels sprouts, cutting the ends yeah. off and peeling four to five leaves off. And I don't know how careful I'm being. They're not perfect. Sorry about that. No um, worries. But they're going to taste fabulous, I'm all sure. Right. Are you cooking the leeks in olive oil? Uh, yeah, the leeks are just in extra virgin olive oil. Oh, and by the way, yes. you are lucky today because uh, uh, here at the house, we have my dad's olive oil from this past uh, oh December. Gosh, really? Yeah, my dad sends me about uh, um, several liters of olive oil every time that he makes it. That 
is so, so cool. So you are about to try the freshest olive oil uh, from 450 years old trees. That's ah. actually a young field. Ah. Pressed in December and arrived here by mid uh, January. So I am I am yeah. deeply impressed. <laughs> I am I I don't know that I've ever tasted olive oil like that before. Uh, so. Yeah, it's a really difficult to find uh, that fresh of an olive oil. All right, so. do you want me to do that mango? Uh, I'm gonna slice it for you and then you can cube it for me. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. Yes, because it looks like you're doing something fancy with a knife and it's slippery, yeah. so good plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this knife is actually very sharp as well. Well, you know, I would expect, since you are a chef, that your knives would be very sharp. <laughs> so this has a core like a pineapple that we don't use? Uh, yes, it's actually a pit, really. Oh, is so, it? So, yeah. Like a peach? What, yeah. I'm going to give you a little sample of uh, how I'd like it uh, to be cut. All right, and, then and you we'll can try do to replicate. Your, just in cubes, because uh, the beets normally can be done two ways. Uh -huh. I can make them into small round uh, slices, uh -huh. but what I like to, to do is um, put them in little cubes and mm -hmm. then do the rest of the ingredients in cubes so that when I prepare it, there is a little bit of a play of geometry and, and, fi and you know, different geometric figures between mm -hmm. the cubes and the round leaves and the, you'll see when it I comes it. together it what it like looks like. sounds like art. Well, you know, and that's exactly why I am so passionate about cooking. It's an art. Uh -huh. it's, a, it's a meditation process for me. I can have a very long, stressful day at work and but nothing gets in the way of me cooking a meal even for myself i kid you not i cook every day and i went the minute i enter the kitchen i enter a bubble of meditative me time mm -hmm. and with some music on uh, i just uh, enter really a space that it's unique and it makes me relax creativity is a mass for me i'll tell you what i would be writing a recipe like i did and as you see i'm not even following the recipe i, I shouldn't obviously <laughs> but i don't follow the recipe almost ever to the t because i need to bring something different to the process each mm -hmm. time otherwise it's too rep repetitive yeah. for me i do the same thing i always yeah. add a little marty in there you know a little yeah. something something um so, that yeah. that represents me so do you want me to use that knife so i give you an example yeah you can use this knife uh, of cubes you can slice them and then Great. replicate those can ones do. while i start the the stove and the sauce okay so if we were listening to music right now what would uh, what would our music choice be well, I love Andrea Bocelli, all of his uh, bof, you know, pop and uh, opera. Yes. And, and I'm a child from the 80s and 90s, so all those uh, pop artists that uh, you don't hear of uh, right now in Italy because they're obviously old, mm -hmm. uh, but from uh, Riccardo Cocciante, Baglioni, um, Giorgia, and those are all uh, my favorite singers. and. And their melodies are, and the lyrics are very dear to me because uh -huh. they are about either a love story or it's just real stories into songs that uh, uh, make you live emotions as you're listening to them. And that's actually the beauty of music. Mm -hmm. It's not listening for listening's sake. It's internalizing the word, living them. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, I mean, imagine cooking and, uh, you, and throwing salt into a recipe at the sound of, uh, oh, sole mio, <laughs> you know, or something like that or others. And I, I find that the whole process, the movement, the music as being, um, I don't know, just a playful uh, moment uh, where everything comes together, you know. And, and there is another thing for me. Cooking is not 
cooking for cooking's sake, nor is eating for eating's sake. For me, nutrition is a nutrition of the soul. So when you're cooking, what, how you do it and what goes into the cooking is because you know you're putting that in your body and you're honoring your body. So that's why I try and cook every day because I prefer to choose what I'm feeding myself, uh -huh. be more mindful about the process. Um, yeah. Mm, that's beautiful. To be more mindful of the process of cooking. Yeah, because you're not only you're feeding your body, you're feeding your soul by the whole process yeah. of it. There are a few places that are meditative like that for me. Being on stage is one of them. I kind of go into a different... It's no longer about me. It's about the synergy of yeah. everything together. The audience and the band and then my, my yeah. players and the music and just the notes. It's like um, everything becomes heightened and different and comes together right. in a it's different a way for me. Uh, it's, a, yeah. it's like a flow kind of yep. a thing. Yep. And um, that sounds exactly like what yeah. you talk about when you cook. Yeah, yeah. All right, how'd I do on the cubes? Uh, really good. Yay! So it's, um, <laughs> I do cook. You know, you, you talk like about you synergy cook, but and, um, but for me, cooking, uh, especially as an Italian, it's also part of the fabric of who I am. And, uh, People love to go to Italy because, um, yes, they know all about the Dolce Vita through movies and, you know, the sweet living and all of this stuff. But then when they get to experience it in person in Italy, they are wowed how an Italian family, ha you know, Italy works uh, like any, any other country. Uh, they, there is daily jobs, but what doesn't come in the way of working is your family time, your meal time. So you still have shops and, and, and businesses that close by one so that you can go home for two, three hours, cook and eat a meal, and then go back. And so when you think about between going to every day to the market, because we have them every day, going home and cooking and then feeding your family and spending easily two hours at least on the table, you are actually spending four to six hours preparing and consuming a meal. Uh -huh. In the U.S., this is unthinkable unless yeah. it's uh, Thanksgiving. Yes. You know, and that's the beauty of slowing down and appreciating food. And, and of course, it's a different value set. You know, uh -huh. I'm not saying that that's the way to do it, but um, in that culture is the norm. You know, mm. the, in the Italian culture is a norm. And you see it actually in the U.S. Uh, if you are from a, an Italian family, you know, the um, uh, Italian-Americans, um, they have this attachment to cooking and to family dinners that go for hours, you know? So, so I'm going to uh, toss already um, the mango in here. Okay. I'm doing the sauce right You're now. You're going to put it into the leeks. I'm doing, yes. So and the mango needs to be a little firm, not super soft and juicy, because it needs to cook for about uh, 8 to 10 minutes, okay? okay. And while we've been chit-chatting, um, you dropped all of the leaves that I peeled off the Brussels sprouts. I did. Into our nut, and that water, is that boiling water? Uh, the water is, uh, uh, yeah, boiling hot. Uh, when it comes to a boil, I'm just probably going to uh, ask you to put them in a, a bath. Okay. And okay. are they, did you salt the water? Uh, I don't, I haven't done that yet, but I will now that you reminded me. Oh, well, then there you go. <laughs> 
Um, do you use any particular kind of salt? Um, typically coarse and um, sea salt, uh -huh. um, so that you have the iodine and the salt. Oh my gosh, you're putting salt on the mango. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it smells so good. Mm. There's something about uh, cooking onions that is like so basic and fundamental. And I think as Americans, that's probably the one thing that in most households we've all experienced, no matter what culture or whatever mm -hmm. you come from. Onions was such a big staple uh, staple here, food, yeah. Uh, yeah. For you know, many many generations, yeah. it's been such a staple that it's like you know, garlic that and onions uh, as well. Too. Exactly, yeah. Uh, garlic and onions, same thing in in Italy, you know. Yeah. Okay, so we just threw something. Else I just in there. threw uh, some sugarless uh, raspberry juice. Ooh, I love about that. Uh, I'd say two spoons of it. Sugarless. Now that uh, the whole thing is nice and warm, I'm going to put about a couple of shots of uh, uh, whiskey. Uh, typically, Jack Daniels is my favorite because it's a smoky. Uh, I just toured the Jack Daniels distillery. Oh, fantastic. How was that? Uh, it was great. It was full of history and... And uh, I flambe it. They seem like a very... Oh my gosh, you set it on fire. Woo! And then I try <laughs> and uh, turn off the fire with or the flame with uh, orange juice. Oh wow, you're just squeezing the orange yeah, over the just flame. just over the flame. In fact, I use my hands nice and clean, of course, or a fork. And I try to actually incorporate into the sauce as well the pulp of the orange. Oh, look at you. So you're just scooping it out with yeah, your hands. Yeah, I just scoop it go. out as I go. And there's still a hint of I like to be uh, low maintenance on um, all the gadgets, you uh -huh. know, because uh, after cooking and dedicating myself to that process, I have no patience for cleaning up. <laughs> and uh, that really where it comes from. And then I also like to cook with my hands and, and you know, not so much gadgety and yeah. kitchen aids and all well, of that. That's your soul. That's yeah. your, that's the visceral part of it, right? Yeah. That's, that's cooking with love. It's an emotional experience, a creative process, you know, the smells and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the Jack Daniels Distillery, um, they treat their employees very well in our present day, and there are many families that work there, which is um, like there. Are, I think there are three different families there that are three generations work there, like an aunt, a nephew, and a and another person. And even when we went to dinner in the nearby town, um, we um, had a host at this fancy place where we had like a sit down meal, and then she would tell us the history of the area. She said that uh, the fundamental industry of that town was the Jack Daniels Distillery for wow. 150 years, and even her husband worked there. Um, and they would get a free bottle of Jack Daniels once a month. Um, wow. uh, they would rotate what they would get, but um, they they really do have that family kind of feeling. So it's highly appropriate that you chose yeah. Jack Daniels for this. So the episode. water is boiling onto the on our Brussels sprouts, so I put them out and I put them in an ice bath and I can So you actually put them off. on top of the ice? The ice, and then I'm just gonna add water right now. Yeah, and just make sure that uh, they go in and uh, cold, you know, cool off right away. They're beautiful. Thank you. So that didn't take long, that was maybe, nope. what, like four minutes? Yeah, and actually it was, um, Multitasking and it could have come out a little earlier, but okay. they look okay. So. All right. 
One thing that I'm changing on the fly as well, as I was gathering my ingredients at home today, the recipe calls for flakes of peperoncino, spicy chili. Ah, yeah. But instead, I have this wonderful jam that I got into a farm in, uh, uh, in the Willamette Valley. Uh, that it's made of, uh, it's called Double Dare uh, Jam, and it's with uh, chili red peppers, and it's oh a jelly. Rose And it City is amazing. Pepperheads. Yeah. That's what it's called. So I'm Double doing dare. a scarce uh, teaspoon into the sauce just to add a little bit of heat. Oh my gosh, so it must be really hot. Yeah, it is a little hot. And I'm not a very spicy type of person, so I'd I like to have the flavor, the hint of spice, but not to, to overwhelm my my fresh ingredients. <laughs> I just did the smell of that. That was like, that's gonna clear my sinuses, I think. So then I balance also a little bit of that uh, uh, sweet um, orange juice with a little bit of a lemon so that there is a little bit more acidity. Uh -huh. It's all about balancing acidity, sweetness, and salty um, in, into the recipe. We added uh, uh, that uh, nice, uh, pep peppery um, gel, Jam, right? And uh, I also threw in about uh, also a spare teaspoon of uh, uh, chopped oh ginger. Ooh, I can never remember nummy. the name of that. Uh, and another, you know, that gives it another zing, if you will. And now I'm finishing up uh, with a couple of spoons of ketchup. Uh huh. Okay. And I'm glad I'm not. I am so glad I'm you're going... using ketchup because I use that sometimes in my recipes, and then uh -huh. I have guilt. But I actually used ketchup. <laughs> so I'm going to have you actually try that oh, and uh, see if it's um, oh my gosh, this smells to so taste good. for you. Mm. And then I'll figure out if it needs to be balanced a little bit more. Okay. As you see, the sauce is already reduced, and I'm going to just turn it off. Right. That was really it's, 10 minutes. It's super okay? thick. So what thickened it? What was the thickening What thickened agent? it is obviously the uh, caramelization of the orange juice. Oh, yeah. Uh, of the juices from the fruit. Um, that I added also a little uh, spoon of uh, honey. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. That's got that, it's got the zing of the citrus. Yep. But it's got the a little bit of heat to it. And, oh, that is an it's amazing good. flavor. That is amazing. Good. Amazing. So we're going to do something else right now because right. then we can prepare both things together. Okay. Uh, we're going to move on to the other recipe. Okay. Uh, we'll move to this side. Okay, so this is the, the, for the beet salad. The beet salad. And yep. then the other one is what? The other one is this uh, cubes of melon um, okay. that are what I call a party in your mouth. <laughs> and uh, this is a completely okay. me recipe. <laughs> and what I, uh, I start with is a dusting of uh, cinnamon Okay, powder. so we've got this beautiful little serving plate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the plating is uh, key as well. Uh, even uh, something colored or black or white uh, with a funky shape. So I'm covering the entire dish with a dusting of cinnamon, okay? Uh-huh. And then onto that, I'm going to assemble my watermelon cubes. And that dusting will be at the bottom of uh, each watermelon cube, okay? Mm-hmm. And I use just toothpicks or little fancy forks. I have so many. And this I take a cube and I place it onto it and never move it again because, of course, you're going to change all the dynamic of that uh, powder onto okay. the tray. Right? Never move do. the watermelon and cubes And if it felt again, like it, it, did, it did, you just leave it as it is. All right. It wanted to be that way. I think so. This is really fun because it's a pop of color, a pop of flavor. It's fun for a party in the summertime. It's refreshing. It's very unique. 
Mm-hmm. And this one is also on my in my book um, for those and who the, are And the interested. book again, what's the name of your... Food you'll make love to. Ah, mm-hmm. those Italians. <laughs> ah, those Italians. Well, that's a great uh, evocative title, if I do say so. So, so I, I'm placing now a fresh leaf of mint on top of each cube. Man, the you, cubes, peeled, you peeled that mint. I thought I was going to do that. You did it so fast, I didn't even see it. Actually, uh, as I do this, you can help me doing about five, six leaves because we're going to need that for uh, also our salad, the beet salad. All right. So what I do is I place the fresh mint on top of each uh-huh. uh, of the cubes. The cubes have to be bite-sized because ideally you need to pop this once only into your mouth, not biting it, but oh. one it's Pop. bite if you because you want all the flavors at the Correct. same time. Correct, because uh, the the flavors combination is what gives that uh, party in your mouth. <laughs> okay <laughs> then. <laughs> <laughs> so now that I have the mint, I oh. take a toothpick and I can choose to. Uh, in this case, I'm using blueberries because they're from the garden outside. Oh, wonderful! And um, depending on the size of the blueberries, I may put two or three. Uh-huh. On on uh-huh. on the skewer, and then I just go over the watermelon cube and just put it all the way in. Okay. Oh, it's a little work of art. It can be marionberry, it can be blackberry, boysenberries. <laughs> I, I love those both. Yeah, I I choose a darker color so that it goes well with the red and the green of the mint, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to using um, raspberry, for instance. Right. But I do another version where I use uh, cubes of pineapple. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the um, dusting is actually ginger. Oh. And, uh, and then I assemble it to the same way. And do you use the same, you still use pineapple and mint? Yes, pineapple and mint. And yeah. then whatever other? The, with pineapple being yellow, I can use raspberry. So again, I'm trying to balance the color as well. I right? love raspberries. I love berries in general, but and this is the raspberries are one of my favorites. So, well, this is assembling quickly, and this yeah, would be it's very really easy to assemble, quick, <clears throat> delightful. The kids can thing do it. Yeah. Oh yeah, the kids would love it. Uh, hey. I don't know how much fruit will be left on the tray. Uh, but well, hey. I have a, a <laughs> lot of past guests that have children that um, love to help in the kitchen, so uh, this is perfect for them. Yeah, creative. Yes, creative. After we finish, we can move on and assembling our salad. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to help, uh, you can drain the water of this um, leaves of uh, Brussels sprouts. Okay, just with my hands? Yeah, just with your hands. Just put one end over the bowl and voila. And don't lose any leaves, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, one more to go. Do you want me to get so rid of the I'm, ice as well? Um, it doesn't matter. Doesn't, no, it doesn't matter. matter. All right. So what I'm going to finish this with, it's a light dusting of uh, white powder sugar. Really? Yeah. Over the top? Over the top. Just like little snow. Oh. Antimo, that is isn't over that, the top. Isn't it's that beautiful. Amazing? So simple, right? Yes. It's yes. a party for your eyes and yes. then it's a party in your mouth. Oh, I love it. So here we have all the rest of the ingredients. We have the sliced almonds. They can be different to other uh, nuts if you'd like. Mm-hmm. They can be hazelnuts, they can be walnuts, or no nuts at all if you're allergic, for instance. 
In this case, another element that I added is I pickled some onions in the water of the beets okay, and so vinegar. How did you do that? I took uh, a white onion and sliced it very thin. Uh -huh. uh, you can slice it in rounds so that you have longer pieces to work with. Uh -huh. um, when my beets are done and the water is cooled off or down, I put it in the, in the um, onions so uh -huh. that I get the pigmentation of that juice to be... That's so smart. Yeah, right? So as you see, the white, and uh, it becomes almost like a flashy, uh, fluorescent uh, pink. Yes. You know? And I'm going to use it to decorate. But they also add a little bit of flavor because I use the white vinegar to pickle them. Okay, so when you um, cooked the beets, I didn't ask... Did you add anything to the water? Just plain water, not even salt, just not plain water salt. because okay. I'm going to dress it afterwards. And then when you added the juice to the onion to give it the color, you that's when you added the white vinegar. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I have the beets already diced in cubes. Then I have some microgreens. Mm -hmm. I have edible flowers from my garden. They are mm -hmm. pansies, nasturtiums, and uh, this little cute lobelia little looking. Cute. Yeah, they're and all now, edible. When yeah, you as say, far as you're not When spraying. you say greens, you mean sprouts. Uh, these are sprouts, yeah. You can use any kinds of microgreens, small, you know, baby arugula. Ah. Uh, yeah, because we're going to decorate the, the salad. Microgreens, that. that sounds yeah. so chef language. <laughs> In fact, uh, the other thing that I brought is a little bit of dill to add a little bit of uh, texture as well. I was wondering so what that was. So we're going to have this handy as well. Okay. And then we are going to use also uh, the uh, um, rind of a, a zest of an orange. Right. And uh, I'm going to assemble this on a nice uh, bluish turquoise dish. Uh, I love turquoise because uh, if you looked at, uh, glazed over, glanced over the, the sea where I'm from, this is exactly the color of the sea. So Is it really? It is. I have I think not, I need to go I'm back. not exaggerating. I need to go back to Italy because when I was there, I didn't get to see the ocean except for from afar, from atop yeah. a tour bus. Um, and so I think I think I need to go yeah. back. My my clients love going to the beach because they often say, wow, this is like being in Hawaii. And then your tours, you said that they're so that you can um, see it like a local. You can be there as if you were a native of Italy. Yeah, yeah. So in essence, what I wanted to do with my company was really taking um, the people that love to adventure abroad to a deeper experience connected with the local because so much of tourism is about following the touristy tracks uh, and, and traps, if you will, and the lines and the museums and crazy cities, busy like Milan and Venice and, and, and Rome. And it's okay to do that. I do that plenty mm -hmm. as well. But I love to take them off the beaten path into smaller towns, whether it's my own town or other friends' town, and through the circle of friends and family, because that's uh, where they get to experience the culture, they get to experience me in, in, in the light of how I'm, I'm treated by my, my friends and my clients, uh -huh. uh, and, and my family, I would say. And um, so it's just a, a more personable experience, a richer experience. Um, and I interact, I have people interact with, uh, pretty much with, with people, family and friends that are within two degrees of separation from me. Uh, Even when I'm not there myself, and most of my tours, I actually take people around. So Vumugo for them is like this. It's like this personal family experience yeah. that you put together for yeah, them. For them, I can share. customize it for a, a group that wants to travel. You know, with uh, three, four friends or a family. 
or I have already um, scheduled trips. But even on the scheduled trips, uh, whoever joins, I have a conversation with them. I want to know what matters to them, what are they looking for, what would make their experience so unique. And then I try to create those experiences for them. So like one time, one customer asked me, one client said, uh, uh, my husband really wants to see an archaeological dig. Well, I went to a friend of mine that has worked for the Vatican, and I said, Giuseppe, I need your help. Uh, do you know anybody you know that is doing an archaeological dig? And sure enough, he did, and uh, we arranged that, and uh, we made it happen. So, uh, it's for me, it's about being selfless so that the clients can experience the fullness of the culture that they're visiting, and uh, um, and I am at their disposal. Like sometimes we go into beautiful masserias and villas, and uh, um, I cook for them breakfast or. Say one day it rains and messes up our plants, we go to the market, we shop for some ingredients, and we improvise a cooking class with me. So, you know, it's a very <laughs> flexible uh, and very slow pace as well, I'd say. Well, that sounds like a very uh, unique, deep, rich experience that um, I'm, I'm all in. I probably can't afford it, but I'm all in, so. Um, so, should we assemble the salad? Let's do it. All right. So. Um, what I do is I take the beets that I uh, cut and I dish them up um, creatively, just uh, maybe across the dish, right? Mm-hmm. Decoratively, yeah. artistically. Randomly, a little bit. It's an artistic process, you know. It's a, it, you almost have to, when you think of a dish, you try to also envision it to how you are going to plate it because it's just as important as uh, the taste, in my opinion. Right. And this is how I like to cook. You know, I don't just want to put food on, on a plate for, uh, for putting on, on a plate for, you know, like that. That's, I love it. Yeah. So now I have it across in this way. I have it in a diagonal. I, if I had a different dish around, maybe I had a, a, a semicircle mm -hmm. or maybe in the center. Right. And then I play with all my, the rest of my ingredients. So I'm taking some of the sprouts and I'm just like uh, putting it maybe... Um, on both ends, in this case. We'll do maybe two differently. How is that? Perfect. We dish up two dishes, but we do it differently. Yeah? This one, maybe I'm gonna do you parallel. Cook, do you cook much in, uh, I mean, do you cook much in Portland? I cook every single day. I kid you not. Every for other single people? Day. Oh yes, for other people I do that a lot, actually. I am, uh, uh, like next week I have two parties. Uh, one in the wine country, I'm cooking for a company and their employees. Um, they hire me for ladies' nights out, uh, so like six, eight ladies get together at a house and I do a cooking class for them. Ooh, I love that. Um, two couples, I want to have a cute, intimate dinner, I show up and they can get involved or they can just show up and I serve them uh, uh, dinner. And oh, see, now yeah. that I am so hiring you for. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have um, dished um, uh, two ways, if okay. you will, okay? Right. And I'm going to take the mint you cut out for me, and mm -hmm. I'm going to just the, break it with my hands and let the oils kind of break loose, okay? And I just place a few on top of my beads, mm -hmm. and you smell it, you know, as you do that, the oils are coming out, and you smell that oh, flavor. It it's all like about uh, mm -hmm. the fresh herbs, you mm -hmm. know, it really is. So then uh, we had uh, you uh, do the Brussels sprouts leaves, now they're nice and crispy, and I just lay them randomly on uh, either side. As you see, now it's kind of popping differently, right? The yes. grains are adding to... 
It's to the. They're so beautiful. Yeah. The colors are coming alive on, especially on this blue plate. What a what a beautiful so, choice. And, and the thing is, you know, why food you'll make love to? Because I'm honestly making love to creating it, and then you'll make love eating it. Yes. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so um, right now, I'm gonna do before I do my. Yeah, actually, I'll do the sauce right now because I don't want to build up too many things. So okay. now the sauce is still kind of warm because it's been only five minutes that we did it. And I like to add it warm. But this would be perfect to also add it cold. Okay, good to know. Yeah. So I drizzle some of that over, mm. some juice and some of the pieces of the... Oh, this okay. is... As you can see, the smoke is coming through mm. out. And, and my stomach is growling. My mouth is watering. So building up and layering it even more, it's already beautiful as it is. I could mm -hmm. stop and this would still deliver both in flavors and all, but right. I'm not happy. <laughs> this can be much What's more What's gonna improved. make you happy, Antoine? <laughs> so I'm naturally now just uh, leaving a few pieces of uh, some of the dill. Uh, See, now creates dill a little is texture. not, it's not a, um, a flavor that I would have thought to put in this dish, so I'm very excited to taste it. And now I have a little bit of the uh, shaved almonds. Mm -hmm. yeah. This looks delightful. Okay. So that adds a little crunch as well. Right. And if you want to use other um, nuts, you could also uh, lightly roast mm -hmm. them, and that would add okay. a little bit of a, another element to the flavor. Now I'm almost done, except I actually, before I do the um, edible flowers, I'm going to drizzle some balsamic vinegar that it's in a form of a cream a and even this balsamic yeah. vinegar yeah it's I a reduced that. Uh, so that it's uh, very reduced and it looks like a, a, a little creamy oh it's beautiful so i have that on and another touch that i'm gonna add is uh, a little zest of an orange okay and now the final touch which is my edible flowers okay and these are definitely edible um Nasturtiums are a little peppery, so I add a little bit of nasturtiums that is nice popping orange. For for and that, then some blue would probably very much complement the jelly that you put in. Yeah, et voila, a couple more on this one, and now it's party time. The Marty's Music Kitchen podcast is brought to you in cooperation with Oregon Music News. So this kitchen smells uh, amazing, and I noticed that you also added that pickled onion yeah. with a beautiful color. Okay, so is there anything? Should I just dig in? Just dig in. Oh, I'm Go so excited. <laughs> All right, I'm trying this beet salad. I mm. feel like I'm at a four-star restaurant. <laughs> oh, the balsamic is such a unique flavor after you did mm. the the beets with the because they're kind of a you know they've got that earthy tone yeah. to it but yeah, not yeah. too much yeah and the onions and the sweetness and then the, just a little bit of it's layers of flavor uh, that's exactly mm -hmm. what it is yeah mm. so good <laughs> i think this is absolutely outstanding such a good job nicely thank done you. thank you mm -hmm. <laughs> and then after the salad you should try mm. the melon cubes okay and but you have to try it so scoop out uh, as you uh, drag some of the cinnamon. Yes, there, that's it. Not too much. That's, that's not too one. much. Just yeah. a little. The entire and this thing is in one your bite. Mouth. Okay. One bite. Ready? Mmm. <laughs> I never thought of watermelon and cinnamon together. Mmm. Mm. Very refreshing. 
absolutely a total dish for summer. Easy to make. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, this has been such a wonderful experience um, watching you cook and thank you for letting me help um, oh, chop you. mango. Yeah, thank you for having me because yeah. uh, I love this kind of stuff. And, and I'm going to post all of your information on this episode uh, for our listeners. The recipe is going to go online yeah. as well as on um, the websites for Vumago and then about you, of course. And um, I hope that um, I get to hire you in the future um, for my own date night. Why not? Yes, and you can teach us how to cook something special in the kitchen sure, as well. So. I sure will. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. That good? Great, because I need more of this. <laughs>